Welcome to the Littler Artificial Intelligence and Robotics Podcast. Conversations about employers integrating robotics and AI systems into their workplaces in the United States and worldwide. This is Natalie Pierce. As listeners to some of my previous programs and podcasts will know, I'm a Cobot fan. I am also the co-chair of Littler's Robotics, Artificial Intelligence, and Automation Practice Group. I think that we're going to continue to see increased adoption of cobots because of how easily integratable collaborative robots are into workspaces. So today, this is where we're going to focus, and I'm so happy to be joined by Guillaume Desmoulins of Littler's Paris office from Montbriand. Uh, welcome, Guillaume. Thank you, Nathalie. Hello, everybody. You- you are also a fan of collaborative robots. What makes them a special form of robotics? Well, um, because it is mainly implemented in cases where robotic only, so classical industrial robotic, does not have any justification and where a human intervention is necessary. In other words, Cobots are more conceived as an assistance rather than a substitute to humans. And this is why I'm just like you, a great fan of, of Cobots. And we're seeing collaborative robots evolve in so many ways. The adaptive grippers, you know, to performing easily identified uh, and programmable programs from lab tests to small packaging. Those have been real game changers. Uh, just for those who perhaps have not listened to previous podcasts, uh, what kinds of cobots have you seen in action in Europe and elsewhere? Well, let's say that there are three main kinds of cobots we can currently see uh, in France and other countries in Europe. The first, uh, I would say, main kind is what we call collaborative robots driven by an operator located very close to the system. The second big type would be robots driven remotely, so from another room or even from home. And the the last, I would say, kind is, I would say, starting slowly in Europe, it's what we call exoskeleton, which is obviously the most impressive. Excellent. And you and I uh, shared some information about the last study from the International Federation of Robotics which was published in a couple of years ago, 2017. And, and at that point, there were 1,828,000 active industrial robots by the end of 2016. And it's anticipated that by next year, this is going to increase to 3,053,000. And South Korea is one of the countries with the highest number of robots per person, but China is definitely uh, showing the highest growth. What is happening in Europe, and particularly since you're sitting in in Paris, what's happening in in France? Well, this this is definitely increasing, just like everywhere else in in, in the world. Just to give you some other data regarding the the growth uh, of of, uh, collaborative robotics, not only in France, uh, but also in Europe and even in the world, we know that as of today, there is something like 23,000 cobots in place in, in the world in 2018. So it's much, much fewer than, you know, classical industrial uh, robotics. However, we know that in 2020, 
almost half of industrial robots that will be sold in the world will be collaborative robots. So we can definitely see a great increase of cobots among the global world of industrial robotics, generally speaking. Regarding Europe, we know that there's a great increase with a specific spot, which is Germany, where it's really, really well used since many years because we have a great industrial country there and also a specific need. France remains very late, generally speaking, on industrial robotics because we have only something like 3,500 robots, whereas Germany has 21,000. However, and this is probably a sign of hope, what we call collaborative robotics has a really special place in France. The classical industrial robotics, it's much harder because we don't have the same size of industry that exists in Germany. But in France, especially with all our specific healthcare industry, uh, aerospace industry, we really do have a need for, for cobots, and which is great because we have also a great offer. Uh, and that's something uh, very important that I want to point out. France really offers a wide range of solutions with many significant companies already working on the cobot market. I can mention uh, Yuma Robotics, for instance, based in Bordeaux, that distributes the, the uh, U.S. cobot called Sawyer for, from uh, Racing Robotics. We also have uh, Irospline uh, for the aerospace industry, Endocontrol for surgeons, uh, especially for colioscopy. So, we do have a lot of offers, and I'm pretty sure that the place of cobots will increase a lot within the next year. Those are really great examples of successful collaborative robot deployment. Guillaume, let's talk a little bit about the history of the use of industrial robotics in Europe and around the world. You know, how have we evolved from the use of, let's say, these industrial robots to using collaborative robots? Well, the very early beginning of modern industrial robotics was in the 60s in order to assist uh, uh, workers in the most difficult task, especially in the car industry. The car industry was really the first one to use industrial robotics in the modern sense, right? Because uh, by extension, some people... Uh, talk about robotics like uh, at the middle age, which is a bit too far, in my opinion. But, but, what, uh, in, what about in, collaborative robots? Is, at some point, did the auto industry begin using them as opposed to the large, behind-the-cage industrial robots? Yes, it started first in the U.S. as often uh, at the beginning of the uh, years uh, 2000, and it spread over the world, uh, especially the beginning of the 2010s. Again, uh, the real beginning was in the car industry. Uh, I know that in Europe, Audi, the car company, was one of the first to use it in, and to implement it in 2015. But some other industries started as well, uh, given, again, the need to assist workers on difficult tasks. And this is the case for the aerospace industry, logistics, obviously, yeah, manufacturing, generally speaking, but also agriculture, healthcare, electronic, and uh, amazingly, nuclear power industry, especially in France, where we you know that almost 100% of our uh, electric energy comes from uh, nuclear power, and there's a great need for indeed, yeah, obvious uh, health and safety issues to get the assistance for, from cobots. So that that's a good number of industries where we've really been seeing adoption of cobots. 
what have those who have adopted the technology seen in Europe as some of the advantages to introducing cobots into the workplace? I believe the, the first benefit is definitely the protection of health and safety of workers. And that's the main goal, actually, on top of higher productivity, of course. But, uh, yeah, protection of health and safety is the biggest benefit, especially uh, in order to protect, again, musculoskeletal disorders. I've read in recent studies that the working conditions have been increased, increased of about 90% in companies where cobots have been used. So, see, that's just... Uh, uh, amazingly uh, important. And as a consequence of this, it's also one of the benefits is easier access to some jobs for women. Because uh, again, given that the cobots are assisting workers on the real physically difficult task, obviously this opens a way for some jobs to, to women. And this is definitely uh, positive. On top of this, of course, there are the, the classical benefits of, of using robots, which are better precision and quality, uh, uh, higher productivity, uh, higher profitability. We, uh, I've read in the, in the study I was mentioning before that the productivity and profitability in companies using cobots has increased of almost 70%. So again, that's uh, only something that you, we should mention in order to promote uh, collaborative ro robotics. And um, also another thing which uh, probably should be mentioned by, by governments is that it also helps to relocate some industries. We have the example of Adidas in Germany in 2016 who relocated I think a shoe uh, manufacturer in the south of Germany that was currently for a job that, uh, that was currently performing in China. So uh, here we see that uh, the benefit from cobots is not only, I would say, for workers uh, themselves or for the company themselves, but for the whole economy of the country. What great statistics and great examples and. We wouldn't be lawyers if we didn't also focus on some of the challenges and potential risks. And I think that that does have something to do with the rate of adoption. So what have you been seeing in Europe as some of the challenges to adoption as the technology continues to advance but still has some limitations? Well, I would mention mainly three downsides, I would say, to the use of, uh, of cobotics that we have seen. The first one is also a benefit in a way that uh, I've said before that it was uh, cobotic were helping to protect against musculoskeletal disorders. Well, the fact is, because of the limitation of moves that can be created uh, by the use of cobot, sometimes it can also lead to subadam musculoskeletal disorder. I believe this is pretty rare, but uh, we know that there is this, I would say, health issue that should be taken care of, as well as, of course, collision with a robot uh, because of a bad use of commands. We also know that one of the downsides is um, the loss of autonomy that can be felt by the, the, the worker. The cobot sets the rhythm, of course, with the employee. It sets the method, uh, the process, so that the worker can have the feeling that he's losing initiative and creativity. This is why it's really recommended to involve the employee at the very early stage of the implementation of the cobot, so that he can still, uh, you know, feeling being a part uh, of the system and being in charge of the system. If he's just... Um, 
you know, a co-worker with a, with a cobot, uh, then we can have this this risk, and we, and we know that there's also stress arising from uh, uh, working in close relationship with with a, with a cobot. There's a need to take care about the presence and the move of the cobot, so it's an additional stress that didn't exist before for workers. So I would say these are the main downsides, but again. Uh, this can be le- easily solved with a sufficient training, I would say, or an adapted training. Guillaume, you are seeing some industries slow to adopt. To what do you attribute some of that reluctance? Well, first of all, I think a, a majority of French employers are reluctant to invest in cobots because they fear that, that it may be a, a significant cost which is, and everybody knows it, a false reason, as most part of studies show that actually the investment in a cobot is reimbursed in less than a year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exactly. And, and cobots are also, we know this, much less expensive than classical industrial robots. So there's no financial reason to actually raise this to this. However, from the, the last studies that have been made, we know that some French employers are reluctant because of, the, of, the, of this price. Another and probably the main reason is the fear of job destruction. Yeah. Uh, again, this is uh, something I would say more psychological than economical, and it's probably the strongest uh, reason of, of reluctance. And again, this is a false one, because we know again from statistics that this is just not true. In 2018, for instance, 71% of working hours were performed by humans and 29% by machines. We know that this, I would say, number of working hours performed by humans will decrease. That's for sure. But in the same time, some new jobs will be created and I would say higher skilled. And we know this, for example, uh, from other countries who already implemented this uh, specific uh, robotic. We know that countries with a high rate of robots are not the ones with a high rate of unemployment. So there's no direct link between the implementation of cobots and and the unemployment. So this is, again, I would say a wrong uh, fear. Actually, only the least qualified jobs are are threatened. Some others with higher skills will be created, and this is good. This is where uh, an important work of training and education is needed, not only for adapting uh, workers to cobots, but also for pulling down this fear on on cobots. I would say that, generally speaking, the reluctance results in a lack of knowledge about what really is collaborative robotic. So an effort shall be made, again, on training and information in order to promote it because that's the future. Well, we're, we're on the same page there, and that sort of takes me to the next question I wanted to ask you about. So, you know, as, as tasks performed by cobots become more precise and more integrated in the workspace, we do see potentially greater safety concerns associated with the increased complexity and collaboration with human coworkers. Has the EU or France tried to tackle this concern? Yes, uh, absolutely. Actually, there is a huge uh, directive uh, dated from uh, May 2006. It's it, it really famous in Europe. It's called the Directive Machines that provides indeed, uh, I would say, the elementary steps in order to provide a minimum protection of health and safety of workers being, uh, I would say, in the same workplace with, with 
robots, generally speaking, not only cobots. And this provides indeed some specific obligations that are implemented in each member country of Europe. Uh, and we're talking here about uh, first checking the compliance of the machine, of the robot, which absolutely makes sense. Always making a risk assessment before implementing a, a robotic solution in, in the workplace. Starting a feasibility study, constituting a technologic file. So all this, I would say, basic steps uh, result from this EU directive. It also results from ISO norm dated from 2018 and 2014. So at this stage, you will see that it's only very general, um, I would say, regulation. Regarding France, we do not have any, I would say, solid legislation or any statutory rules regarding especially cobots. However, we do have, since 2017, a specific guide for manufacturers and, and users of, uh, of cobots that, uh, I would say, sets uh, the mandatory steps before implementing a cobotic solution uh, in the workplace. You know, such great points, and I think challenges that can be easily overcome with training, with greater understanding, with communication with workers. And, and that's why I think it's so important to really understand what you want to achieve with your robot. And you need to be flexible and willing to adjust and compensate in different ways. So those are great points. You know, we're also, and I'll, I'll let you have last word on what you want to share with our listeners in terms of adoption of collaborative robots. But one point I want to make is, from my perspective, is that we're really seeing increased use of artificial intelligence to increase collaborative robots return on investment. And we really see these latest advancements being driven around acquisition of big data which is why you know, I made the point before, it's so critical that companies are learning to harvest and really um, mine that big data, use that big data. Um, and this is one way that, that we're really seeing huge advancements in collaborative robots. So using this to build bits of intelligence, giving skills to robots so that you can give a higher level of instruction to your collaborative robot seeing things like parameter optimization is another example of a great use of AI or using better grasp strategies with AI. We're also seeing building of better intelligence for things like assisted lift. So I think as we see more easily programmable cobots, more intelligent, if you will, cobots, and the integration of the very valuable data that companies have to integrate into their use of collaborative robots and really making it specialized. I do believe we can overcome some of the challenges and we're going to see greater adoption all over the world, including places like France. So Guillaume, I'm going to give you the, as I've made my sort of last comments going to give you the, the last word for what you'd like to share with our listeners before we part today. Well, I must say that this topic is absolutely um, fantastic, and this is really where, I mean, Cobots is probably one of the uh, best examples of the great match between machines, generally speaking, and men. And there's nothing to be scared about on this. 
And this is why it's very important to be able to promote collaborative robotics all over the, the, the world and to be able to explain uh, and to spread the information to all the employers uh, that it's just benefit for everybody. And again, this is a perfect example where the interest and of employers <laughs> and employees uh, is reached. Thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. And for those of you listening, if you want to learn more about what we are doing with our practice group all around the world, please visit us at www.littler.com and find our robotics and AI practice group. Many thanks. Thank you. The purpose of this program is to provide helpful information for employers addressing the latest developments in labor and employment relations. It is not a substitute for experienced legal counsel and does not provide legal advice or attempt to address the numerous factual issues that arise in any employment-related issue. To discover other labor and employment podcast series from Littler, the largest global employment and labor law practice, visit littler.com slash podcasts.